0: Blake, pick a man, bring your kit. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Shields, and I am here uh, remotely with uh, one of your other co-hosts of Welcome to the Party, pal, Mitch Lucas. What's up, Mitch?
1: I'm doing good. Took us a little second to get organized here, but uh, I'm ready. Let's do it.
0: Nice. Before we um, before we get going, just want to send some love to everyone out there in these... Uh, trying and discomforting times um i know everyone is on edge i know i am uh i know everyone's confused and and and, and flat out scared um and these are all uh, appropriate feelings um I, I you know it's really hard to know what to make of it all but um be kind to yourself in these times send love to all in your life from afar reach out to people hit people up uh stay safe and um and also thank uh, anyone out there on the front lines uh, against this all this madness, um, working so hard. Um, uh, our podcast here continues to uh, roll on, hoping to um, pr- provide a, a distraction from uh, from all this and um, to aid in some uh, entertainment resources and recommends. And um, you know, as we all hunker down and weather the storm. And. Um, and before we dig in here, just a quick reminder that Welcome to the Party Pal is part of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to OsirisPod.com to check out the eclectic offerings of podcasts they have. Uh, it's worth uh, making sure to follow them on Twitter at OsirisPod. Um, we are planning a whole lot of quarantine uh, content and just trying to keep you entertained and um, in touch with artists and uh this whole thing. So head over uh, to OsirisPod.com sign up for the newsletter, follow them on Twitter. uh, A whole lot there for you. So while it is um, 2020, the uh, longest decade already on record um, we, you know we want to uh, uh, look back at um you know take a step back to 2019 the underappreciated year that it was and and look at one uh, gem of a film that we really need to discuss and that's 1917 1917 is a stunning film a cinematic marvel it's the uh British epic war film directed co-written and produced by Sam Mendes the film stars George McKay and Dean Charles Chapman with assists by Adam Scott, Benedict Cumberbatch, Colin Firth, Mark Strong, uh, amongst others, the film tells the story of two young British soldiers during the First World War who are ordered to deliver a message calling off a doomed attack after the German retreat to the Hindenburg Line in 1917. Um, this, um, it's, it, oh, one thing more of note is that message is especially important to one of the soldiers as his brother is taking part. In that impending attack, Mitch, uh, I would love if you opened us up with any thoughts that you had on this film.
1: The main thought I had was that it's uh, it's a it's an intense ride. Um, it's a marathon, and you really when I say the word payoff, I don't mean it in terms of entertainment value. I mean it in terms of feeling like the goal was achieved. You, the, the 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 payoff is so delayed in this film you really never feel like we're going to get any get to the goal you, you it, it does feel like it's hopeless in in the best possible way and uh it's it takes you on you know a mm. journey that is uh part action adventure part historical drama part just really mm-hmm. amazing uh experimental filmmaking
0: yeah that's um i couldn't agree more it's funny it's this is a uh... We talked about Uncut Gems recently, you and I, on this program, and uh, this <laughs> this is another incredibly stressful journey, front to back. Um, they, of course, uh, vary in so many ways, but with the stress factor, right, on the same way. So this one got me on multiple levels. Um, technically, of course, how they did this, um, and that's something I know we're going to dig into, but um, also, uh, there's a you know, big human level to it, and and just the um you know what's really brought to the forefront in in, in incredible way is the uh the the just momentous destruction wrought by war. Um, this is a film that definitely it, 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 it affected me in um, a way that that was guttural and um you know really intense, like I said, on that human level but i was I was in awe watching um you know as a, a film student and buff and and fan um, just on how they got this done this is a, this is an incredible feat this type
1: of film I know that the filmmakers wanted to shoot on at least on film maybe on 70 millimeter and it would have proven absolutely impossible uh, the The degree of difficulty that was at stake or that they were up against um, you had to shoot this I think with digital cameras and even with that, I cannot. I cannot imagine how difficult it would have been to stay in a scene for as long as they had to stay and to get every mark right. And with all the syncing up of all the different actors and extras and explosions that you had, this is one of the greatest uh, you know, cinematic feats I've ever uh, uh, watched in terms of sheer organization, production value, and just degree of difficulty.
0: Absolutely. While watching it, I just, it's, you know, of course I was taken out of this and into the journey that, um, you know, the characters uh, William and Tom went on. But so often I was just looking at it and just like thinking about all the the work putting into just, uh, I mean, obviously from direction on down, just how how they had everyone stand there, the explosions, every, all these moving parts. It's just mind-blowing. And so what what the film did so, so incredibly well is put you right into the action. It It is designed to look like, um, uh, the, you know, you see it mentioned out there as one long shot, but it's actually essentially in two continuous shots. And, you know, it's kind of like it, you're given that kind of first-person uh, shooter video game type experience of, of uh, uh, um, you know, a World War One experience, but yeah. So what they what they really did was was put you in there and then just kind of take you through it as it were one um, or two long shots in this case.
1: And uh, is that correct then that it was just two shots the entire film?
0: It was not, but that is the look they were going for. What um oh I I see There,
1: there was that stop in the middle. Exactly. What
0: happened was, um, so you had everything leading up to, and we'll—I'm sure we'll touch on the the many pieces of the journey. But um, where uh, um, uh, William Schofield is—he's knocked out. It was—he was when he ended right. up uh, going face to face with the sniper, and so he was knocked out, and that was one hour and six minutes into the film. And at that point, they used it as sort of like their first kind of cut. Um, and I did find uh, an interview with. Um, Sam Mendes, the director, uh, where he says, uh, you know, he was really that was something so purposeful. He said, I wanted to I wanted the movie to go from afternoon to dusk. And that was that moment. And then from night to dawn, which actually happens when he falls off the waterfall later on. But he wanted to have two movements. I wanted to uh, take it somewhere uh, to look like a hallucination Somewhere more surreal and dreamlike and horrifying too, and I, you got to say he really nailed that. I there was points where it did feel like um like a fever dream or hallucination. I was thinking that uh you know especially that point after he does wake up in that flaming city, I felt like there were apocalypse uh, now vibes and and it just yeah it it definitely it it had this aura to it and had all these different these uh different um I like how he describes it as. As kind of you know, afternoon, uh, dusk, and evening, and then morning.
1: Yeah, maybe even a similar uh, take to maybe Full Metal Jacket, that sort of has two parts to it. It's a Great call. It's a basic a basic training film, and then it's a war film. Whereas this film is all one. It's all one adventure, but there's it's broken into two parts, um, and. Uh, I, you know, there's a lot of connections to other movies I'd like to make in our in our podcast, so I'll hold them for as we go along. But uh, uh, it definitely, I, I have written here "House of Horrors" uh, in in one part, um, uh-huh. and uh, and yeah, it's you, I, in one. The first part of it feels like a movie that all takes place in a maze, and then yes. the second half sort of opens up. Um, still a lot of confined spaces, but there's also more expanse where the Mm -hmm. danger is and things like that. So, uh, you know, physicality, just your physical location and the architecture around them sort of evolved throughout this film so that things stayed interesting or or not repetitive.
0: Yeah, I I, I like that as kind of a kicking off point, uh, discussing kind of the journey and as it moves. I mean, because we uh we begin and and you just described it perfectly in that maze-like uh british t- trenches and then we um cross into and through no man's land um which was incredibly intense and then ultimately in that moment reached the german trenches and into the underground barracks so right there as you were talking about these different settings of this uh of this horrorscape which is just wild that no man's run through was intense and uh, then getting into the underground barracks where um, the, the booby trap that they come upon was actually uh, triggered by the rat at that point. Wild stuff.
1: Yeah. And, you know, um, so much happens in the first 10 minutes of the film. And all of this... You, you, they must have spent so much time condensing the story down because mm-hmm. within the first 10 minutes of the film, they were... One of them was taking a nap and they were woken up by a sergeant. They walk to the walk to the headquarters, they get their uh you know, they get their order and their mission and they seek off to the mission and they're a good two to three minutes into the mission at the ten minute part of the film. I mean, how much do any of us accomplish in ten minutes, you know? So <laughs> that's, that's to, have, a- <laughs> to have gotten that much storytelling done in ten minutes, it really was, uh, I, that that was almost something that I, it was almost distracting because I just kept thinking to myself, how are they getting this far in, in 10 minutes and now 15 minutes? Like, I mean, it, you know, it because in any other film you could say, well, they're cutting from point A to point B. They're cutting mm-hmm. straight to the next scene. They're not cutting to anything. So all of this was real. All of this was, you know, obviously it, it's all coordinated and choreographed so there's the dialogue there's no there's no things that would happen in real life where people would say hold on a minute let me uh go talk to somebody and you wait and have a cigarette or something like that but at the same time for all that stuff to have happened it's it's really uh, another one of the big accomplishments of the film
0: yeah i you know what i've heard that um from uh, a couple of people i talk to about cinema often as almost a uh, uh Paint it as a critique, meaning that the plot seems so simple. Just get this uh, message to this person and, you know, they they put in the uh, extra layer of the uh, brother and the concern there. Um, I just think that's missing the point, exactly what this is about um, and what that journey with them told you in its own way. The story was told in a different way. Yes, that plot was set forth in that way, but, I mean, we were finding out so much... um, uh, by watching their reactions to this world, I mean, you know, you know what I really thought was kind of neat. Um, it was a film that was it uh, was about stopping something rather than winning something, which was neat, or like a, or like conquering something. It was, it was. It, I mean, yeah. at its very base, it was about stopping something. I thought that was a different, and, you know, unique take. And that was one of the most difficult challenges of that
1: those soldiers faced was that you know they're. I mean, I, I don't know if they're privates, but they were lower, low-ranked soldiers. And their job was to, not only did they have to get to the locations, the uh town, but once they got there, they had to be taken seriously by mm-hmm. these generals who were, you know, immersed in, in preparation of this war, and that was the second barrier that they had. So, uh, and I agree thematically, that's... it. That, that they're trying to, you know, prevent more damage and prevent more death is uh, a different take on it. But also just that created its own, you know, set of problems. Abs-
0: absolutely. I love that we just mentioned, though, about how they had to be taken seriously. That that was a stress amongst the many stresses I had the whole time, is that when they get there, are they going to believe it? The sense of uh, yeah. relief and the, the kind of the... the, the- Breath I had, and the moment when uh, Cumberbatch actually just called it off i thought I thought that was exhilarating. There was a p- big part of me um not knowing the story that they were going to be told the first time I saw it that i, I didn't i didn 't know if that would be the case, but you touched on this too, just how they were lower rank rank um, in the scheme of you know the the command chain, the fact that these characters uh were, were you know just like post adolescent they were they were very young. They were incredibly relatable. I mean, they were they were not like superhuman or super skilled in any ways. It really hits hard to me that they, um, you know, that that you could almost you could imagine yourself being them trudging through this journey they were on. Absolutely. Um,
1: in you know, in the beginning, oftentimes in a film, they might set up that something's going to be easier than it's going to be, and then they create all the barriers that somebody takes on in their goal in this film, yeah. it was almost like this is, you know, they met so much resistance within the first few minutes from other soldiers. They're going against the grain of the way soldiers were traveling and all these things, and all they could do was say orders of the general, orders of the general, you know, and, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that that uh, lieutenant that they came across that they had to deliver the first note to, uh, you know, he was just like, assuming he was talking to two dead men, and he said, you know, if, uh, if you don't end up making a, a cross, will you, throw, will you uh, throw the gun back over for us? Throw the, uh, you know, so the flare gun, yeah, the, you can throw that flare gun back over before you die, and, uh, you know, that you just sets up that this is like a goner type of mission.
0: Absolutely, that he was. That was uh, the he was sending them basically straight into no man's land at that point. Yeah, it, it just it it seemed they they were set forth right there for the impossible mission. That uh that general right there was played by Adam Scott, who um, uh, people who watched the most recent season of Fleabag will know. Um, and also, he's uh, Moriarty in Sherlock. I'm I'm a big fan of him. He's he's great. Um, well, so he we was. Were-
1: Fabulous as this character, this guy who's seen it all, and I yep. mean he was perfect. There, he didn't miss a beat in that in that one scene that he had, and was so funny. And also another one of the things I felt about this film was that it, if you take a t- if you take the time to really think about, it, it's a very funny movie. There's so much sarcasm, British sarcasm in this film.
0: <laughs> There is. You know what? I, I, I don't think I thought about that enough. There absolutely is. And you're right. He had this certain sense I don't even think of... they're
1: trying. It's just their manner of being and, and their manner of writing. The dialogue is really, you know, <clears throat> is really funny when you when you get some of that uh, cynicism and, and the, just even the way they approach, you know, the way they talk and everything else. It, it comes off very funny to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I think I think you uh, shaped the next way I'm going to view it. I'm going to focus in on that uh sarcasm and and unique british cynicism um yeah so we were going through the journey a little bit and and you know they um they went through those trenches those german trenches and they ultimately ended up at um uh the 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 farmhouse where it kind of opens up a little bit and they get out into the open there's a farmhouse and um this is where a german pilot is shot down and um uh, this we 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 lose Tom Blake here in proving the old saying that no uh, he was trying to help the the German soldier um, and ended up getting killed right there that uh, no good deed it goes unpunished but this was I believe um, a, a a big turning point for the film um, and 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 kind of cha- everything kind of changed at the farmhouse and after that moment I was wondering if you had a take on that.
1: Well, uh, I have many takes on it because that's a, a huge part of what I, you know, sort of took notes on. Um, oh, great! I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find one of my. Well, there was a uh, Schofield before they get to that house as they're about to walk through that farmhouse. He says something to the effect. I can't find his exact words, but he says, mm-hmm. "I don't like this place." Um, and it's, you know, it's, I have a bad feeling about this type of, yeah. you know, <laughs> yep, yep. but he didn't want to be there. And it's, that's sort of our psycho, uh, turning point of the film where I really felt like Blake was the main character up to that point. I thought Blake was, was the lead and yep. it's almost like a, a torch. It's like a baton. He, di- he, he dies and the baton. Is Pastor Schofield, who in my eyes was the supporting character and sort of the sidekick of this, and he now becomes the main, the last man standing, in it, and it completely changes my how I'm viewing the film. I went from thinking it was a, a story of a soldier who hadn't seen the horrors of war yet, yeah, to watching a film about a soldier who had already won a medal, thrown it away, and already was dealing with, you know, the 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 cynicism that he felt and, and how much he wanted out of there now having to endure more more suffering so it changed for me at that point
0: that's such an excellent point because a lot of times where uh, in a film such as this or or, or in uh, you know almost any um, you know genre film you're given that viewpoint of the person coming into it the the young person who's never even been there so that's the journey you go along with. And I, I, I definitely agree that I felt I was with Tom, played by um, uh, Dean Charles Chapman, um, who is uh, Thomas Baratheon uh, in the fourth, fifth and sixth seasons of Game of Thrones, as many know. But yes, I felt we were seeing these horrors of war and um, just the hell uh, landscapes that they that they traverse through his eyes. And it it did turn out to be that we were we were we were there with William. William was the guy we were going to journey with. That's that's that is a, a great takeaway from that moment that did change everything. Then it became a solo mission through the whole thing, and you lost a bit of that camaraderie and 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 there was more, um, you know, there's there's more fear and 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 uncertainty when when you don't have anyone with you, and and that's what we had from that point on.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's uh, it, you know, it's now. A new story, and you have that, that single sort of official cut of the film, and it 's mm-hmm. like chapter two
0: and then schofield alone now he's uh he was next picked up by a passing British union unit, not union unit, and then uh what's next he traversed um then he ended up they got to that bridge where he was going into the town he traversed that destroyed bridge, and um, ended up going Didn't get face too
1: the- far with the mm-hmm. uh, troop that he you know that he that came aboard him. with, yeah, yeah, and then so he, he, we we re, we really have about ten minutes of of calm or impending danger. But you know he had about a ten minute break in that film riding that bus, maybe even less, and then he's back into uh, dealing with the sniper.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that sniper, that's that that we do come to that point where he he um he kills the sniper gets uh knocked unconscious and he awakes in the german town in flames um and, you know and i think that's what uh mendez was talking about with that kind of surreal horror dreamscape that was just really really wild that's where he meets and cares for that um infant and mother which was a trying scene and you get to see another side of the horrors of war there yeah. um yeah. and then yeah you have any takes on that? That was that you know that that was that was touching and hard and um, on on many levels.
1: It was it was very. Um, it, there was a scene just like that in Barry Lyndon, a soldier who's mm. sort of uh, on his own at some point gets you know uh, sort of separated from the pack and he's and he finds like a farm, and uh, it, it was a it felt like a bit of a call to. Stanley Kubrick, Barry Lyndon, at that point, but um, yeah, it, it, point. It, but I think that he, not that that was important at all, was just a side. But I think that he needed some sort of, you know, he needed some sort of connection at that point, and he needed someone to, uh, you know, he. It was a good, it was a good like, you know, turning point or like a break for from him, some sort of maybe motherly contact or or something that reminded him of of better times or
0: yeah of home of 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 family of of, of the things that he wasn't seeing absolutely I think it was a reminder for the viewer of you know that it wasn't just these soldiers at war that there's more to this whole thing and you know it's that's why I was saying it was touching I just you know just thought of you know she couldn't her and uh, her child i mean that's they couldn't have been the only uh family that was scattered about those those lands it's just yeah. it's just it's de- it's just devastating it truly is yeah
1: it's in i think we because world war 2 is so like present in our minds of the past it's, we we don't know as much about world war 1 so it's True. something that you know this is like a very eye opening uh, story for for us
0: yeah not that any um war movies are easy or or anything like that any time that you're touching on the hell that is war um it's always it, it's it, it's it's i can't get my head around it um fully but anytime i've watched um world war one um footage or you know any any films that presented it, it's, i've always found it particularly intense when they, when i first heard of this film and Saw the trailer. I was, I was, I was a little like that's that, and not. I guess scared is a proper word. I was like, that's gonna be, that's gonna be rough, and uh, yeah. you know, put, putting yourself into these trenches, into across no man's land, just seeing what they've done. It just that's it's it's no joke out there. It's crazy. Um, a note of a. Uh, just how much they did that kind of first-person uh, experience of you going along with it. At this point in the journey we're speaking of, he ends up jumping into a river after, you know, yeah. after escaping and everything. It, it, was just, it was just incredible. It reminded me of some things that were done in Revenant with the film work there, but um, you know, when he went over right. the cliff uh, in Revenant. But, I mean, when we were swept over that waterfall, the whole, that was just incredibly was. immersive.
1: Yeah, and it's an intense part of the film. He, he, you know, when the river sort of calms, he's in a, you know, he's in a pile of dead bodies that he has to, to climb over just to get to land. And yep. I, um, I yeah. was very moved when he comes upon that uh, that group of soldiers that are singing "Wayfaring Stranger." Uh, I, I know that song. The tune of that song has been. Uh, I want to do more research because I've heard it in the Andy Griffith show. To be honest with you, but I've also but I also know <laughs> I love that. Johnny Johnny Cash did a cover of it, and uh, it's like one of my favorite you know sort of folk songs that I'm that I don't know much about that I'm familiar with. But it was like a haunting moment. That's like a well used word when you talk about this film, but it but is appropriate. And uh, he's sort of he's sort of a, a, a Bag, he's like sort of a zombie at that point, uh, you know, um, and he, he uh, comes upon this very large group of soldiers that are singing and it just seems like they're all sort of on their last legs at that point, you know?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it was, and it, it, what, what was wild too is as he comes into, and that was kind of the dawn moment. Yes. That climb over, uh, over the dead soldiers to get out really, really got me. Yes. But that was an affecting moment. And, and it was just kind of that come to moment that he had that he, um, you know, he was pretty much in the uh, the last wave of the charge that he was there to prevent, and just right. just just I mean just going through that journey from the British trenches to the point where he's literally in the charge that he's there to stop. I mean, what an absolute ride they took you to! It just it just it just yeah. it's just incredible, and I think. It's it's time before uh, we move any further talking about anything else. We need to give a nod to the people that made this happen. And I mean, I'd like to start with the cinematographer and that's Roger Deakins. Um, yeah. He's, well, he's, Roger, uh, yeah. go on, please.
1: Uh, well, he, he's a master of whatever format he's, you know, worked with the Coen brothers for years and mm-hmm. so many other, I mean, so many other filmmakers. But, you know, he, he, he's one of the i don't know five and i'm sure there's more but i mean he would be of the five names that are the most uh, well well uh, respected in the industry and i don't i mean he's he's would be one of the first people you'd want to choose to do something of this like mammoth task and he's not even i mean there's so much going on with you know physicality with camera work and stuff he wasn't really even shooting uh, you know, all of it, because you have to have people that are going to, like, go over the trenches with the camera and everything else. Yep. So he's, mm-hmm. he was doing a lot, I think, a lot of the, um, you know, the planning in the the staging and the lighting and all these things and working with, but you have to have so many, uh, you know, th- that camera, I, I know, was being handed off to different cameramen throughout a single shot, so... It might have started with one cameraman, and I think it was uh, possibly, you know, uh, handed to someone else who might be on a crane or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know that I don't know that by fact, but I think there was definitely a lot of coordination uh, where people were. It was handheld, and then you know, on on rigs at different times than a single shot. That's a lot, a lot to do. And he, I think, he you know was uh, central in organizing that all of that and figuring out just how to do it and I mean there's another reason why I don't think you could shoot this on film you can't get all that stuff organized and then find out two days later that uh, it was underexposed <laughs> no. or something like that you have to know you have to know then that by viewing and monitors that you've you that you have everything because you can't set that stuff up again so uh, no, no doubt link, no no
0: but- no doubt about it. It was. Um, I saw a note that it was uh, the first film shot on the, uh, I think it's Ari, A-R-R-I, Alexa Mini LF digital camera. Uh, cause yeah. There's a larger format um, LF digital camera made by Ari. But, so they actually brought the prototype on set to shoot it and use it. But to speak to what you're yeah. talking about with Roger Deakins, I, it, absolutely. I mean, what we're talking about is Deakins and his team at this point. I mean, that was... Quite an effort to to um, you know bring to life. It just it's, it's 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 truly astonishing. And and like you said, he is um you know easily one of the most influential and important cinematographers of all time. I'm, I'm I don't think that's hyperbole to say that in any way. I mean, with his work on Coen Brothers, Big Lebowski, Oh Brother, um, he did No Country for Old Men. Those are three of my favorite films. A Serious Man, True Grit. Yeah. Um, you True know great, yeah. he did he did he 's worked with mendez before you know skyfall um what else he did he did mendez 's um first uh war film that was in two thousand and five that was jarhead um oh, okay. what else yeah, yeah he's in uh, mendez i think mendez did yeah revolutionary road that was him um, he he worked on the reader i mean he's he's it's just it 's actually fun i i couldn 't recommend um checking out his list of what he has done uh, it's just it's it's incredible what he's been a part of and yeah. an- another huge piece to this puzzle is the editor and the editor's name is Lee Smith and um, he's another one that's worth just going to IMDB or Wikipedia or whatever and checking out his, the list of everything he has done um, he's done a lot of work with Nolan Lee Smith has he did the Dark Knight trilogy Um he actually he was in uh, he did Dunkirk he edited Dunkirk and he won the best film editing with um, on Nolan's film there so I was actually surprised that uh um that he didn't get the uh, uh you know wasn't he actually wasn't even nominated in this, this year for uh, right. best editor but uh, yeah Lee Smith is the man there um, and then uh, you know we ha- I just I thought the acting. Of those, the 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 two um, two stars in this film, specifically yeah. George McKay. I mean, just emotionally and physically, the this role. Um, I mean, he, the the reason we, we we felt just how how intense it was to go through it wasn't just that they put you there; it was the way that yeah. they they reacted to the the settings they were put in. What a, what a phenomenal work they did.
1: Yeah, I. Uh... I want to. I'm gonna. Let's talk about sound design after this. But um, please, the, their uh, their their performances were, I mean, so assured and so, and they actually had such a great rapport with each other. I mean, I thought uh, I thought Blake's character was more of like a bit of a comedic, you know, sort of the oddball goofball. I mean, he was serious, but you know, he was trying to keep things light, and uh, Schofield was very, uh, just wanting to get done with it, and why, yeah, I, I really love the scene where he's like, why did you pick me? He said, I didn't know I was picking you, I thought we were like, <laughs> yeah. I thought we were going to do something easy, I, I yep. thought that was a, a very sad moment, but also a very funny moment, um, but really, I, that's the biggest part of this, to me, is that this film, all, with all these bells and whistles, and planning, and all these things, I don't think the yeah. film would have worked without two great performances it's really because really all of this is just to highlight their their work and it's a it's really a stage play it's really a theatrical performance uh uh, you know it's 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 stage performance if you ask me
0: yeah I, i i no doubt about it um they brought it home and uh i think the only other film i've seen I I don't know much of George McKay's work, and uh I'm impressed and uh looking forward to see what he does next. He was the only one I know that I've seen Did you, you, you ever see Captain Fantastic? That was no, the Vigo Mor- seen, Mortensen film. <laughs> yeah, no, it's I uh it, either <laughs> <of them> before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a film I recommend to people, uh, uh Captain Fantastic. It's kind of it's a it's a Vigo Mortensen film, uh indie film. It's it's about kind of like a far left wing uh person and his family they live out in the woods, um, to show how far left they are. Instead of, uh, Christmas, they celebrate Noam Chomsky's birthday as like their big day of the year. Really, real interesting film. But yeah, the acts acting was just absolutely incredible. Uh, Mitch, you mentioned sound design score. What, uh, what do you, what do you got for us? What a big piece, what a big part that was of the success of this film.
1: Yeah. I, I think I wanted to mention it just because, um, in a film like this, where you're moving from one location to the next without cuts, you lose a lot of. Um, there's a lot of fundamental things that you can do with sound that you can't do in a film like this, where like the sound cuts out really aggressively because you're cutting to the next scene, or you, and you can contrast, you know, loud loudness with silence and things. But what they did so well was like. You know, as you walk upon a hor- a dead horse, you slowly hear the swarming of flies, and mm. as you walk past it, you're 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 into silence with you know the farmland and and just it was <clears throat> the way they used sound in a, in such a way where you're they were constantly contrasting uh, bombs and guns and screaming and and mayhem with the sounds of farmland and the peacefulness and you know that's like really one of the biggest themes of this film and i think a lot of war films was that you know these pl- things are taking place in very picturesque locations that would otherwise be uh places that you know van gogh would be painting or something like that um uh, that, so it's yeah uh, that's a great point yep it, so i just felt like sound design did such a great job to take you out of one location into the next location and and just keep changing the mood and changing the tone with with a, a more limited uh set of tools that you can go to
0: yeah the uh sound supervisor was um oliver tarney um i could point you to a great article it's on a sound where he talks about you know kind of everything he thought about when making this score. And one thing he talked about was his use of silence, which was really cool and how he would use that at certain points, very specifically. Um, And I I think you were even touching on it with allowing the sounds of the landscape to really shine through and everything. And then, and then the score, the score, Thomas Newman's score was actually incredible. Those two, uh, you know, uh, incredible sound artists working together on this. It's just the the mood uh, that that they can invoke um, through through you know um, sonic sounds. It's just it's just it's just all inspiring, and it really this it's it just I think mentioning it, everyone uh, we just did there just shows this it just what cinema can be at its best when 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 all these great moving parts and all these great um, talents and 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 just just. Amazing collaborative effort in film, and, and just bring something like 1917 to life.
1: The uh, score was very—I um, don't know if understated is the right word—but word, it was very, it was exactly what was necessary at a specific time. It never overwhelmed you. It always let the natural aura of the film stand out. And it was—it mm-hmm. was an under—it was an undertone more than a lead. And I thought that was very effective. Um, the one time where I felt like the the score stood and played a starring role, and uh, my favorite part of the film, which I hope it's okay to start talking about the climactic elements, but is oh, you know, always. Uh, running along the bunker during the first wave attack because that's the only way he can get to the uh, general, and then mm-hmm. the music really swells at that point. I yep. I, I love that. That's my favorite. Uh, Shot of the film and my favorite moment, and everything sort of came together at, at that point.
0: It's 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 sonically and visually just absolutely incredible. We uh, it's 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 funny to kind of um, end or you know get towards the end. And now we're really I want to mention Sam Mendes. We really haven't dug into the the man you know directing this whole thing. Um, what's fun interesting about this whole thing that is 1917? This was a a passion project. Um, for Sam Mendez as the story is based in part on an account told by um his paternal grandfather, Alfred Mendez. So he was um this is this is the story that, that was near and dear to his heart, and uh it shows with how much he uh he leaned into it. I've been a fan for Mendez's for 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 some time. I th- I think he's he's obviously an incredible stage director. He just um he recently won a Tony uh for the and that was just last year the Ferryman. but um I've loved a lot of his films I was, I think <laughs> yeah. uh Road to Perdition was one that really brought me in but I mean That's he's, that's he's, a, my
1: favorite yeah.
0: Yeah, that's I, I just I think that was at a point in my life where I was really starting to notice cinematography and and um just really be you know become in all of it and uh that was um that was uh the late Conrad Conrad I think L Hall he uh he won he uh, he won a, a posthumous Academy Award for that role but um yeah Mendez Mendes did a hell of a job here huh yeah
1: he did and uh it's funny he's one of those uh, directors that his films are so sort of perfectly made you know that they're we I think he's under underestimated his talents I mean he's at I agree. He's, he's at the highest uh, he, he's at you know mastery level here. I don't know if he can uh, beat this in terms of you know mastering filmmaking. But he, I don't think he's ever. I don't think he's ever had a tough film that didn't come together. I mean, it's, just, uh, it's he's one of those guys that only hits home runs. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, you're, you're right. He set the bar super high. But I mean, I even like. Um, I think he even does a good job when he pairs things down. I'm a big fan of the film "Away We Go," which is uh just a kind of a human family film. Uh, it's got John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph in it. What he did with Revolutionary Road was, um, I think that was Michael Shannon's an actor. I just and and I think think is phenomenal. I mean, what he allowed him um, to become from there. I mean, obviously American Beauty and and he's done. You know, he's he's done the action films. He's Skyfall. He's Spectre. He's just he can he can kind of do it all. Truly,
1: absolutely. He's he's completely well rounded and. Uh, you know, I this this is I don't know. This stands next to Road to Perdition as maybe my two favorites. They're right up against each other. Yeah,
0: team. I could. I, I I'm with you right there. So, um, anything else we didn't touch on? We we've been I think we've been hitting a lot of the marks and, and giving nods where they deserve um, in this incredible film. Uh,
1: sort of just some like going back to earlier parts. It, go uh, anywhere. Because I, I now I'm excited to read off my notes. I loved the line in the <laughs> beginning when they uh, said, uh, "Shouldn't we have more people with us?" You know, talking to the general, Colin Firth's character, and he says, uh-huh. Dow, "Down to Hanna up to the throne. He who travels fastest travels alone." I thought that was a funny, uh, <laughs> awesome. funny little beat there. And um, and then I think uh, uh, I think that was. I think that was it. I think it was, uh, and then the other the other thing that really stuck out. I don't know why I felt this was so important was when when Blake's character is about to die. I was really sad. It was a really sad moment to me because he he did a good job of you know he didn't know what was happening and he was confused. And then right at the very end, he says, "Tell me you know the way." Um, I yeah. loved that. I loved yeah. that he was still, whether it was about his brother or about the mission. Mm-hmm, to know both. that you're uh, you're you're thinking of others until the end was uh that that touched me. Uh, so those were two uh, outs that I that I remembered as being uh, intru- You know, a powerful. Yeah, thing.
0: that was no. That yeah, just almost got chills when you just mentioned that. That was such a, a was such an endearing moment, and uh, yeah, that 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 got me. One um thing I'm thinking of right now is. I know when it was out and I finally saw it in the theater, I was a little bit late. I was, you know, one of those people and I still do this and I still think I'd love to see it in the theater again. I was just like, you got to see it in the theater. You got to see it in theater. Now that um, we're all hunkered down for a bit um, and uh, I I did watch it again just, just this week to prepare for this and get my head back into it. It really, it's it's still it. It works. Just it's it looks so oh, good. Yeah. I was still so taken. It's just it's it's you know. I almost feel like a. It, it's I don't know. I, I was able to take it in a yeah. larger way. I was so overcome in the initial <laughs> one. So I'm, I'm sure anyone here who's listening has seen it. But I mean, it's it's still it just works so well still on the small I screen. And, and yeah, I didn't go, get to yeah, the theater
1: for this one. So uh, oh, I good. Can, so you've only
0: seen I, it that way. Yep
1: yeah i've only seen it on on television and uh so i can uh I can definitely uh confer that it uh, <laughs> it stands on its own on a on a flat screen in your living room with you know lots of other things going on uh, no doubt I, mean, uh, I hope the day comes though soon when we can start telling people that they've got to get to the theater again, but for now we have to be okay with uh <laughs> Streaming and all the types of stuff, but we'll get there.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's gonna. We will get there. Absolutely, and it's gonna be interesting. I'm thinking of a few films that were meant for the big screen. We will see see on the smaller screen um, first in the next couple of months. But yeah, what a film! What a technical achievement. Uh, also, one that hits on a truly human level, and um you know, brought us face to face with the stark realities of trench transwarth- warfare and i don't know it's just what an amazing film uh mitch thank you for taking the time to uh talk with me here about it today
1: yeah so excited that we're back into it and uh you know making it happen all across uh you know across the way here from brooklyn to Queens. so
0: absolutely and we're um me and mitch and the whole team over here we're really set on, on continuing to crank them out for you and uh giving movie recommends and everything like that. But uh, for now, just thank you all out there for uh, joining the party.